You're listening to Advice from Your Advocates, a show where we provide elder law advice to professionals who work with the elderly and their families. Welcome back to Advice from Your Advocates. I'm Bob Manner from Manor Law Group. And today we're talking with Matt Gerwell from the group is Beyond Driving with Dignity. Many of you may remember Matt. He's spoken at our Elder Law and Advocacy Bootcamp twice, actually, including this last April. So, Matt, welcome. How are you doing today? I'm doing well, Bob. Thank you. Thank you for having me. So you've got a really interesting background. You were a 24-year as an assistant district commander at the Ohio State Highway Patrol. And for many years now, you've been running the Beyond Driving with Dignity to help folks that are dealing with a family member that uh, maybe should or should not be driving anymore. So yes. how did you get into that area of work? Oh, it's a great question. Uh, as you mentioned, I was an Ohio State trooper. Uh, retired from there and lo- loved every minute of my job, pretty much. Uh, but I saw throughout my career that there was a void in the system, so to speak, on what we do with older drivers with diminished driving skills. So I want to make clear, I'm not talking about all older drivers in general. Some of them are excellent drivers and hopefully will be for many years to come. But certainly most of us would agree there's a small component of them that maybe shouldn't be driving any longer, either because of physical reasons, cognitive reasons, or in some cases, both. Uh, And throughout my career, uh, it wasn't rocket science. I realized that nobody really wants to tackle this issue with this older driver. uh, 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 And it was kind of a problem with the system. It wasn't that nobody personally wanted to accept the responsibility, but here's an example, courts. Uh, as you well know, Bob, are governed by what we call sentencing guidelines. So they have to treat an 85-year-old driver that ran through a stop sign and ran into another car exactly as they would a 35-year-old driver. They can't just arbitrarily suspend this person's license based purely on their age. The medical profession, it's not uncommon at all for doctors not to want to become involved in the driving conversation with the patient. There are all sorts of Uh, what may not seem like good reasons, but they are good reasons uh, that the medical profession tends to shy away from that. So anyhow, when I retired, I wanted to create a program that would help keep the driving issue within the family unit, not have it um, um, morph into an issue with the courts, an issue with the police, an issue with the Bureau of Motor Vehicles, an issue with, uh, with anybody else. So What I did was develop a self-assessment program where uh, I would come to the older driver's home, typically on uh, at the request of a concerned adult child or adult children, uh, or sometimes a doctor. But go to the older driver's home, sit down with them at their kitchen table. uh, I like to say the one place in the world they're most comfortable, and we work our way through this uh, two two and a half hour session together. And at the end. I would help them make what I thought was the best decision for their driving future. That could either be uh, saying to the individual that, Mr. Smith, I think you're doing a great job with your driving. I see no real areas of concern here. You know, call us if anything changes in the future. To the other extreme, which is more common, that I don't think you should be driving any longer. And the term we like to use is 
uh, and, and our litmus test, so to speak, is, is this person at an elevated risk for a future traffic crash? And I say elevated because every one of us is at a risk for a traffic crash. It could happen sure. to you or I today. Uh, but because of the natural aging process, is this person at an elevated risk? And for those individuals, we help develop a plan where they can wean themselves into a driving retirement. You know, you brought up some really interesting points about the doctors and the court system, but also about the uh, issue of that it's not just about all older drivers. Uh, so I recall years ago, I was speaking with my brother about the possibility of ever having to take my dad's keys away from him. And we both kind of chuckled and thought, you know, that's going to be a very challenging prospect right. because uh, he was, you know, pretty set in his ways and, and a bit stubborn. And so we both kind of nudged each other like, yeah, you do it. No, I'll no, you can do it. But when right. the time came, what was very interesting is my dad decided to give up his keys and not drive anymore. When we were saying, no, dad, you can still drive. It's okay. Everything's fine. You're doing great. And Good. so that's true too. But it was just, he was able to recognize I'm yeah. not comfortable anymore doing this. And so he self, uh, self-identified, which I think is, you know, probably out there too, but a little bit more rare than the other option. Yeah, you're exactly right. And, uh, you know, for those individuals like your father, I call them the heroes amongst us. They realized for whatever reason that they simply didn't feel comfortable driving anymore. So that, so they gave it up before tragedy had the opportunity to strike. Uh, for those individuals, it's just kind of a side note, but at Senior Care Authority, we have what we call a retired driver trophy. And it's a, it's just a trophy. It's a simple thing. It's 11 inches tall and it's got a car driver up on top of it. And, but at the bottom, it's uh, engraved uh, specifically for the individual. And it says, congratulations, Mr. Manor on uh, 62 years of safe driving. So it's just a way, it's just a tiny thing, but it actually means a lot to a lot of these folks that did do the right thing and just stepped away from driving. So it's just a nice way to honor and, and recognize those folks. And That's like great. I said, they're the heroes amongst us. So, you know, they recognize that uh, there might be some deficiencies in their driving and they, they simply give it up. Yeah, that's a great idea. I really like the idea of that award. So for families that are worried about this or struggling with that conversation, like my brother and I were thinking that we were going to have, what are some warning signs that you would like to see families identify or some red flags that you think families need to be uh, out for? Sure. This this is obviously something we could talk about for hours, warning signs. But uh, as far as physical things, things that you can observe, dents and scrapes in the cars. I've met with many older drivers and we go out to the garage and we look at the car and all four of the corners are dinged up to one degree or another. Uh, I did one of these sessions for a family one time. The family, the adult child lived in Atlanta, Georgia, and this person was in Cleveland, Ohio, the older driver. And uh, here's the story she says. She says, mom needed a new car. So we went to Cleveland at Thanksgiving time spent Thanksgiving with mom and went out and got her a new car. We went back from Atlanta to Cleveland at Christmas time to visit with mom. And and here's how she described it. And she wasn't trying to be funny, but she said it looked like mom took a garden shovel and tried to chip ice off of the car. It was so dinged up and and scraped up. And uh, evidently one of the mirrors was hanging. That's a common common thing. Um, Just little things like that, Bob. Uh, Complaints from the neighbors. 
or uh, complaints. I've had many family members tell me that a family friend or a relative called, saw this individual driving through town and almost caused an accident. So, you know, um, notifications from others that there might be some issues. But there's a nice, uh, recently there was a study done that showed a positive correlation between the number of falls the individual has had versus their likelihood to be involved in a future traffic crash. And they've shown that if you've had, if an older adult has had two or more falls within the past year, they're three times as likely to be involved in a, not, not only to be involved in the traffic crash, but to actually be the at-fault driver in that crash. So again, that's one of the warning signs. If mom is falling on a, on a uh, semi-regular basis at, at home or wherever she happens to be, that's a warning sign for her driving as well. That's a very interesting uh, very, point. Sure. One of the things that I have observed with some of the families that we work with is um, a good portion of the time law enforcement, if they're involved, will be very empathetic. And they're trying to almost, um, I don't know if they're trying to minimize, but sometimes I feel like there's a, almost a minimization of it. And they think about, I don't know if they're thinking of their own grandmother or their own grandfather, but there is sometimes where law enforcement, uh, you know, kind of uh, looks the other way and, uh, and you know, makes sure the person gets home safely, things like that. Sure. Do you have any thoughts on that or is that something sure. that's common? You know, it, uh, one of the, I hate to call it a problem, but one of the issues across the country is the rules for reporting unsafe drivers in Michigan is different than Ohio, is different than Florida. There's 50 different sets of rules, and I'm not sure exactly what they are in Michigan, but it used to be law enforcement didn't have that much of a say in an older driver being retested. Now, uh, in recent years, I think that's changed significantly. So I think what you said is true. Your observation is right on that it used to be there wasn't much we could do. We tried to get the individual home safely that day, just like you described. But the truth is, there's a good chance they were out driving the next day. And it wasn't because we were empathetic. Uh, certainly, we were uh, empathetic. But uh, the problem was the resources we had and the reporting system was kind of complex. And it was just a whole process. And, you know, I think you're right. Sometimes we shied away from it, but I don't believe that to be so true anymore. There are now states that have, um, you know, how we do field sobriety tests for for uh, drinking drivers to see if they're mm -hmm. under the influence of something. Uh, we, we now have testing like that available to us for older drivers that may have some type of cognitive decline. And there's a couple of very simple tests we can issue them right on the berm of the interstate, so to speak, and uh, and see if they might be cognitively impaired. So there's a lot of nice tools available that didn't used to be available. Plus the reporting uh, to the state's BMV or DMV has uh, been simplified uh, in a lot of states. What do those tools look like? I mean, when they're trying to do an evaluation just on the spot, what, what types of things do sure. they have? One is, uh, it's called the clock drawing test. And it okay. is a very simple test. It, um, I don't want to say anybody can administer it because you have to be trained to do it. But, but the truth is anybody can administer it. Uh, and the, the individual is asked to draw a clock, a circular clock, and they're read very specific instructions. And then they're asked to put the time, put the hours in and then set the time to such and such. 
And uh, you, Bob, you would be absolutely amazed at current drivers that have no idea how to make a clock appear on a blank piece of paper. It's, uh, in some cases, it's rather sad. Yeah. Uh, and the other one is the, it's called the Snellgrove Maze Task, where you remember as kids, I remember the old Highlights magazine that we got when I was a little toddler, and it, it had a page on it that had a maze, just a very simple maze that you had to draw your way through. Well, that is what the Snellgrove Maze Task is. It's uh, named after Dr. Carol Snellgrove out of Australia. But they have shown repeatedly that, again, there's a very strong correlation between how long it takes you to draw your way through that maze, if you even can, and your ability to drive safely. So those are a couple of simple roadside tests. And again, I don't know if well, we're doing this in the state of Michigan or not, but across the country, I think you're going to start seeing those types of things more often than not. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I know those tests are are done in a lot of different contexts. And, you know, what folks have to remember is it's it comes down to that sort of executive decision making, executive functioning. And so I recall a number of times I was working with uh, families that I'd say they're in a bit of denial and they'd say, yeah, I know we're worried about the driving a little bit, but you have to understand, you know, uh, my dad only drives to the one place it's a mile away he just goes there and back that's the only place he ever drives i hear too many stories and i've had too many situations that even that i've had clients where that one mile well it might have been set in their mind anything right. that throws them off could have could throw them off and i've had a few clients that ended up 100 miles away when the gas exactly exactly right you know what happens you know, we turn the news on at night and we see a story where someone left uh, Holly, Michigan to get a loaf of bread to run to the local grocery store. And they find them three days later in Boise, Idaho. And exactly. what happens is exactly what you said. They left to run to the corner, you know, uh, you know, a block, literally a block down the road. And they get confused and something happens and they end up driving for hours. And, you know, that can lead to all sorts of uh, other concerns, of course. But Bob, you asked me about warning signs and a huge warning sign that we often overlook is the issue of memory. Memory, and, and it kind of relates to the example we just gave, but memory is so important in older driver safety. I can cite story after story, or, or better put, tragedy after tragedy, where an older driver's decline in memory is what led to their demise. In the Washington Post, it's been a few years ago now, but the headline read, elderly couple found frozen to death after getting lost on drive. So that's exactly what happened. They got lost. They turned into what they thought. Well, who knows what they thought exactly, but uh, an opening in a farm fence along the road. I don't know what the, their intentions were, but they drove up over a little, it was hilly out in uh, northwest Pennsylvania, and they went over a little grade, and they got stuck in this field. They uh, speculate that that happened at nighttime even though they started their driving during the day. But anyhow, because of where they were, nobody could find them. They were hidden uh, from the terrain and they found them uh, three days later, like the headline suggests, frozen to death uh, in the field. In St. Louis, Missouri, there was recently a 93-year-old Tuskegee Airman that uh, went to visit his daughter on a Sunday morning got lost even though it was a trip he'd made many many times before so there's no good reason other than cognitive issues uh for him to get lost and uh, he got carjacked at one corner 
And then at the next corner, when he went looking for help, scared to death, he got robbed at gunpoint. Oh, so you can imagine uh, how easily that could have turned uh, into a tragic story, a tragic ending. So, you know, when you get lost, other things can happen besides a car crash. Uh, and uh, use the Tuskegee Airmen. He could very well have been, that could have cost him his life, either one of those incidents. All because if you back it up, he got lost. Yeah. And that's where it started. So, again, so often families overlook the important role memory plays in older driver safety. We focus so much on the individual's vision, their hearing, then what medications are they taking, their strength, their reaction time, their flexibility, which is all very important. But we can't uh, overlook the memory part. I tell families when I talk to them that if your mom or dad is getting lost in areas that they've driven all of their lives, it is time to get them to stop driving because something bad is going to happen. So how would you suggest that families get ahead of this issue? What steps can they take that can, if they have some concerns, they've seen some of these red flags, what, what they, should they do? Well, we need to stop the aging process. <laughs> For all Absolutely. of them. I agree a hundred percent. When you get that figured out, We'll yeah. <laughs> if that doesn't work, I suggest talking to your loved one immediately, as in today, even if, or I should say, especially if your mom or dad is still an excellent driver. They may have all their wits about them. There may be no cognitive issues. Physically, they might uh, be the symbol of physical fitness, and there's no reason in the world to even think about them giving up driving. But if you start those conversations now, if you share with them, Mom, I saw where a person left Holly, Michigan to get a loaf of bread, and they didn't find it for three doggone days. Listen, Mom, if your memory ever starts to slip, I hope that you'll listen to us children or the family uh, when we come to you and, and say that we think it's time for you to give up driving. So by doing that, Bob, by just generating general conversation about the issue, if and when the day does come where it's time to escalate the level of seriousness in that conversation, then you're already comfortable to, uh, talking to mom or dad about the driving issue. I did a talk one time for a group of adult children on this very issue, of course. And uh, there was a gal in the front row, middle-aged, 30, 40 years old. And I noticed she's by herself and she starts crying halfway through this presentation. I mean, big old tears and I can tell uh, she's horribly distraught. So I made it a point to reach out to her as soon as the presentation was over and, and I asked her how, how I could help. And she said, that I am just scared to death to tell my mom she needs to give up driving. My mom has no business driving. There was no, no question about that. She said, I've gone to my mom's house several times. They've lived close together to tell her, to have that conversation with her. She said, and I get there and I just freeze up. I can't make the words come out of my mouth. And that's why I'm one of the reasons I'm suggesting that start those conversations today so that you are comfortable talking to mom about the driving issue. I think that's so important, Matt, uh, to actually be able to start discussion regarding, uh, you know, expected aging things. And so sure. I often will do my presentations and talk about how we plan for all these different stages in our life. We plan for when we're going to, you know, get out of high school. What are we going to do next? Are we going to go to college? Are we going to go get a job? You know, we plan for before we get married. People often plan for a year or two for that. 
they a lot of people will plan for you know okay well maybe in a few years we'll have kids and they they start thinking about this ahead of time and start strategizing certainly people will plan for retirement so they'll i'll have people come in they say yeah we're thinking in about five ten years we'll, we'll start retirement and so then they start getting their things in order for that stage of life and then somehow most people just seem to think after that nothing's going to change and there is for most of us, the vast majority of us going to be that last stage of life where things change again. And maybe we're going to need different things. Maybe we're going to be a little bit more dependent on others for help. And that's a stage in life that almost all of us are going to experience, at least for some period of time. But it's very, culture doesn't recognize that. We don't see that in the movies. You know, they, we don't recognize that. And if we can start having that conversation earlier to say, you know, did you hear about the neighbor down there that did that? Boy, I would, I hate to see that ever happen. You're such a great driver now, mom. I, I, I would like to, you know, see that happen, you know, and just kind of start having those conversations about this is a normal, whether it's for, unfortunate or not, it's a normal part of life that we're going to have that stage in life for the vast majority of us where our faculties are going to change our 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 ability to do certain things that we've done in the past are going to be begin to change sure. having that conversation earlier i think is a great idea matt and uh yeah in support of that nitsa the national highway traffic safety administration says on average Americans are now outliving their safe driving years by seven to 10 years. So armed with that information, every one of us can expect the day to come where it's simply no longer safe uh, to continue driving. We're outliving those uh, those years, which is a good thing on one side of the token. On the other side of the token, they may not be able to drive forever. Uh, but uh, so all of us should start planning now. And even uh, younger folks, you know, um, God forbid something happened to them and, and they're in an automobile accident and paralyzed, uh, you know, and I don't obviously wish that on anybody ever. But, you know, for all of us, that could happen to you or I today. And we need to have a backup plan. You know, what would I do if I could no longer drive anymore? How would I maintain my independence? And that's an important thing, too, for families to think about is it's one thing to go and tell mom she shouldn't be driving any longer and to, to get her to agree to that. But it's another thing to help her maintain her independence. You know, nobody, I come from law enforcement, so the term I like to use is well, this person shouldn't be placed under house arrest just because they make the right decision to give up driving. Why would, as a society, why in the world would we do that? They should be rewarded. And there's all sorts of ways now with technology, uh, Uber and Lyft, to help anybody maintain their independence. There's a program out now, it actually has been for several years, but it's uh, not a lot of people know about it, but it's called Go, Go, Grandparent. Go, mm -hmm. go, grandparent. And it allows an older driver to actually call for an Uber ride without having a smartphone, because a lot of times older adults, they're not interested in a smartphone. Right. Uh, I've met with many of them that want nothing in the world to do with it, but they do have an old style flip phone. And it used to be you couldn't call an Uber, right? You had to have A, a smartphone, and B, the Uber app. But now this go, go, grandparent allows them to call for an Uber ride even with the old flip style phone. So if anybody's looking at uh, ideas on how to keep a loved one uh, mobile, they might consider the gogograndparent.com website. It's just an excellent tool. Well, and it could be used by the kids too to help 
arrange the travel uh too yeah, obviously absolutely. you could do that with uber but they might be you know some some folks might be more comfortable with that uh being able to yeah. call a number and arrange the transportation absolutely bob and depending on how the account is set up uh, the family can even receive text every time they pick dad up when they take dad wants to go to Walmart and he wants picked up from there in an hour. So they'll text the family. Uh, we just dropped your father off at Walmart. He wants us to be back here at two o'clock and uh, they'll send another text at two o'clock. We just picked up. So it's an, I think it's an excellent tool. It's a underutilized tool available to families. And I think a lot of these things are to try to make sure that people can maintain as much of their quality of life as they can. And I think that's really important when we're addressing these issues. So what advice do you have for families or folks that are working in the long-term care industry for, you know, discussing these things with families or particularly with the older folks that were concerned about their driving, but maintaining that, same, that, that senior's independence and integrity, you know, personal integrity? I'm not uh, positive I understood the question, but um, as far as additional help or support uh, at Senior Care Authority, uh, Bob, we've got two different presentations that we do at no charge to anybody. They're group presentations for the public. One is meant for older drivers themselves. It's just a one hour presentation that uh, is titled A Safe Drive Through the Aging Process. And what it does, it's not a driver refresher course in any way. We try to empower the older driver to look for you as an older driver, it's still a good day. You're still in charge of your driving career. It's just incumbent upon you to make the right decisions moving forward. And we talk about how to make adjustments in your driving behavior to actually extend your safe driving career. So it's not about you're an older driver, we think we ought to collect your keys. We try to help them, like I said, extend their safe driving career by changing their driving habits. And then the other one hour presentation we have is titled Adults with Aging Parent Drivers. So it's meant for adult children that might be worried about mom or dad's driving. And again, these are all free of charge through Senior Care Authority. I, I haven't talked much about this, but the mainstay of the Beyond Driving with Dignity program is our self-assessment session that I know I mentioned early on, but uh, that's primarily what this program is all about. And it's meant to, you talked about helping the individual maintain their independence and dignity, and that's exactly what this program was designed to do. The very name of it is Beyond Driving with Dignity. So, you know, anybody can take your dad's car from him. It's called a tow truck, right? You can do it from your phone from anywhere in the country and have it done in 10 minutes. This program is not that at all. It's about helping the older driver make the right decision, his or herself, so that they take ownership in it. And also, they're not upset with you, the son. You know, it won't be Bob and his brother took my keys in my car. Uh, the, the program is structured in such a way that uh, your father actually becomes the decision maker. And again, the whole program was designed to help him maintain his dignity, pride, and independence. How do we get access to that? Uh, SeniorCareAuthority.com. And we're across the country. It used to be, Bob, as, as you know, I think when I came and did, uh, had the opportunity to speak at your earlier boot camp, that was my company, my program. And uh, but since then, Senior Care Authority has purchased it. Uh, well, I'm proud to say because it went to a, as I like to say, a good home. And 
but but these uh, senior care authority franchise professionals are available across the United States. So if you go to seniorcareauthority.com, uh, you'll find a, a page titled Beyond Driving Big. Well, that's really helpful, and I'm, I'm glad that it got expanded. So it's such a good program. Uh, anything else you want to tell us about Senior Care Authority or anything that as far as... Yeah, uh, yes, we provide a ton of uh, services, typically uh, at no expense to the family. But uh, the uh, number one thing that we do is provide placement services. So, Bob, you mentioned your father. If you were considering that maybe dad needs to move into assisted living or independent living, one of our uh, senior care authority professionals, placement professionals, will they know their community um, and they know their territory. So you would reach out to them and they will say they will ask you uh, in, in great depth, what is important to your father? Does he like to take activities? Does he not like activities? Is Are his meals important to him? Or is he the type that wants to just stay in his room and eat his meals there? And we'd talk about medication issues and what his medical concerns are. And we, of course, we'll talk about the pricing too. How much money does he want to spend You know, for a senior living community? And then the senior care authority professional will help help find, we'll, typically what we'll do is make two or three recommendations to you as the family. And uh, we'll go with you on tours of these places. We'll take you there, we'll meet you there, we'll walk through, we'll tour these uh, communities with you. And then ultimately at the end of the day, it's still your decision uh, to make, of course. And then we've got a, a service called Peace of Mind. It's our Peace of Mind program where let's pretend that, uh, yes, you work with us and we were able to place your father in a place that uh, satisfies him and the family's needs uh, as far as location and everything. Our Peace of Mind visits is uh, this part you, you do pay for, but uh, where we go and we uh, help make sure that his transition into that place is going smoothly. Uh, and to and to help resolve any issues, we serve almost as a liaison between him and, and you, the family, and the community that he now resides in to help make sure the transition goes well. Because I, I think in the past, a lot of times that was lost. Wow. Uh, we, uh, Dad moves into the place and we hope it goes well. We hope and pray it goes well. And if it doesn't, we'll address it after that. But this peace of mind program is designed to pre uh, prevent all of that and to make sure in a proactive way that the transition is very uh, seamless for Dad. And uh, that's so important. Uh, both of those services are really great because the transitions are the hardest part. Um, I mean, we know this about life, but particularly for a transition that we weren't expecting, that's the hardest part. And just kind of getting settled in. I, I remember plenty of stories of, uh, you know, families that we worked with and they were, they were just uh, wrecked with guilt and just worried about, uh, the you yeah. know, finding a placement. And then I go and visit uh, the, the family or the client uh, later on at, at a, a nice care setting. And, um, you know, a good portion of the time, they're clearly better off. They're happier. Absolutely. They're action. They're, they're eating better. They're getting their medicines on a regular basis. Uh, and I always say, typically in that situation, a lot of times the, they'll even acknowledge, yeah, I, we should have done this before. Sometimes Absolutely. they're too stubborn to acknowledge it. But the reality is a lot of times it really is an improvement, but it's that transition. It's that few first few weeks For that can sure. make a difference. I, I've met with uh, many, many, many older drivers in these senior living communities because that's where they, they live now. 
And the, you know, the family will explain that dad was really struggling at home. He became isolated. He wasn't getting out. He couldn't drive any longer. So he, you know, he wasn't going anywhere. He kind of became uh, a hermit in his own home, but we moved him into this independent or assisted living community. Now he takes field trips every week. He, he eats breakfast with the same group of guys in the mornings and he, he goes to uh, exercise class every afternoon and they brag about how much better their parent is doing since they were moved into this particular community so you know that's not true of every family of course and we're all different but it's yeah. nice to hear those stories every situation is different but i think um in some ways there's too many movies out there where the culture is telling us no we're abandoning our parents right. if, if we're looking at anything other than keeping in their home well keeping in their home is pretty lonely if you, the only people you see is family or you really don't get out very much especially if driving is restricted and so uh you know i think there's this cultural element and this guilt out there that is um often misplaced Absolutely. Uh, well, any closing thoughts you have, Matt? I really appreciate you coming on and uh, getting Thank your information you. out there. Thank you very yeah. much, Bob. Yeah, um, the one one service I did not mention. I don't want to make this an infomercial by any means, but at Senior Care Authority, we also provide elder care consulting services. So for any family that is concerned about, you know, my dad's getting older, he's developed Parkinson's or he's had a stroke, and we don't know how to navigate the healthcare system or the senior living community system, we can help with all of that. It doesn't have to be restricted to placement. Excellent. Well, thanks, Matt. Uh, I want to remind everybody that we do have a date for next year's Elder Law and Advocacy Boot Camp. It's going to be Friday, April 21st, 2023, from 8 to 4, and we'll be offering five continuing education credits to social workers, nursing home administrators, and case managers, or at least we've, we're applying for that. So thanks, a wonderful Matt. Event. Yes, thank you. I appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Thank you very much, Bob. Bye. Thanks for listening. To learn more, visit manorlawgroup.com.